Thanks for tuning in. I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. In this episode, a federal worker union president takes a leave of absence after 10 people alleged he sexually harassed union employees. We look at how the Annie E. Casey Foundation drifted toward the hard left. And Senator Mike Lee of Utah calls for treating the American Bar Association like a normal left-of-center interest group in the judicial nomination process. Should go without saying that licking a subordinate's ear is not appropriate conduct for a boss. But for a union boss? According to former American Federation of Government Employees Communication Director Brett Copeland, current AFGE President J. David Cox licked his ear in a hotel room. Copeland resigned shortly thereafter. Needless to say, this is a problematic situation for AFGE, the largest union representing non-postal federal government employees, which already has its share of difficulties. In 2017, federal labor relations commentator Bob Gilson called AFGE the most corrupt labor union in the USA. For the comparatively high number of union officers or employees convicted or pleading guilty to offenses after Department of Labor investigations. As of August 2017, AFGE officials had committed 60% of DOL investigated corruption offenses in the federal and postal sector labor movement that Gilson analyzed, with 11 convictions or pleas in 2017 through August alone. Copeland apparently wasn't alone. Ten current or former AFGE personnel told Bloomberg News that they witnessed or experienced inappropriate conduct by Cox said to range from, quote, lewd comments to unwanted sexual advances. After the allegations emerged, Cox denied all the allegations and announced an internal investigation, from which he recused himself. He also took a leave of absence. The allegations themselves aren't the only problematic look for the labor union. According to Bloomberg News, AFGE staff said AFGE management told staff, quote, that they were not allowed to discuss the misconduct allegations, media reports about them, or the investigation into them on social media, or with any of AFGE's 300,000 members across government agencies. The British historian of the Soviet Union, Robert Conquest, proposed three laws of politics, the second of which, any organization not explicitly right-wing sooner or later becomes left-wing, applies perhaps most consistently in big-time philanthropy. The Ford Foundation, the J. Howard Pugh Freedom Trust, and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. All mega-foundations created by free enterprise-minded businessmen, all later hijacked by left-wing interest groups or descendants. This week at CapitalResearch.org, my colleague Martin Wooster studies yet another case of Conquest's second law, the Annie E. Casey Foundation. The foundation received most of its funding from the estate of James E. Casey, the founder of UPS, and from the initial public offering of UPS stock. But James Casey did not provide substantive instruction for how his bequests were to be used, beyond a general desire to help children. Prior to the mid-1980s, the Casey Foundation focused on supporting foster care programs that James Casey had helped create. In the 1980s, however, it, quote, expanded the focus of its concern to public policy affecting children and families. Under Douglas Nelson, president of the Annie E. Casey Foundation from 1990 to 2010, the foundation shifted towards grant-making and financially supporting left-wing organizations— like the defunct labor community organizing network ACORN and the left-wing think tank Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. Through the 2000s, the Casey Foundation has provided substantial support to the operations of the Open Society Institute Baltimore, a field office of George Soros's Open Society Foundations. OSI Baltimore was the only one of the U.S. city-based OSI groups to survive in its original form, largely thanks to the Casey's support. Wooster concludes, James E. Casey was one of the 20th century's greatest entrepreneurs, but his philanthropic vision was severely flawed. He failed to make clear what he wanted the Annie E. Casey Foundation to do other than to help children in foster care. By establishing a foundation in perpetuity and then giving his successors complete authority to change or ignore his vision, Casey ensured that the foundation would drift away from what he wanted his legacy to be.
Is the American Bar Association, a private, non-governmental professional association of lawyers, a fair judge of prospective judges? A number of Republicans, most prominently Senate Judiciary Committee member Mike Lee of Utah, are concluding, no, it isn't, this week, with Lee calling to, quote, suspend the unique access the ABA has to the judicial nomination processes until a thorough investigation and review is undertaken that explores how it conducts its affairs. This week's particular controversy concerns the nomination of Lawrence Van Dyke to the 9th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. Despite Van Dyke having served as Solicitor General, the top government appellate lawyer, of both the state of Montana and the state of Nevada, the ABA rated Van Dyke not qualified. The reasoning? Van Dyke supposedly lacks humility, does not have an open mind, and other vague assessments. As Adam J. White, a law professor at George Mason University, argues, quote, We're expected to take the ABA's disparagement at face value. And we have very good reason not to take the ABA's judgment at face value. Thomas Jipping of the Heritage Foundation notes that at least four studies over the last two decades show a systemic bias against Republican nominees. The ABA itself has taken a number of official positions aligned with left-of-center interests. And in this particular case, Carrie Severino of the Judicial Crisis Network has alleged that the ABA's lead evaluator on the Van Dyke nomination has a history of making political contributions to Van Dyke's political opponents, specifically a candidate Van Dyke challenged for a seat on the Montana Supreme Court. And that leaves us with Senator Lee's proposal that the ABA either, ABA either fix its evaluation process or lose any privileged access the Senate and White House would grant to it. In short, if the ABA wants to behave like just another liberal interest group, or worse, a partisan hack outfit like Demand Justice, it should be treated as such. That's our show for this week. If you're listening to this on YouTube, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.